so we started a series a couple weeks ago called Abide. Uh, last week, if you were here, I was blessed. I hope you guys were blessed as well from the testimony uh, that Katie, Katie Picari shared with us this past week. Uh, I've been kind of reflecting and thinking over that. I'm excited next week. Uh, Nancy Phillips is going to be helping us out with her testimony uh, coming next week. But today we're going to be in John chapter 15, verses 5 through 8. Uh, just to remind you, we're kind of having a definition that we're going to be working from this whole series of what to abide means. So together, let's read this definition. Abide, continually trusting Jesus to be everything you need, okay? That's just our working definition so that we're all on the same page. Abiding, continually trusting that Jesus is going to be everything that we could possibly need. All throughout John 15, the words in the ESV, and I accidentally used the NIV out of habit for, our, for the text this morning, but out of the ESV, this word abide comes up over and over and over again. Like I said, this is the NIV here, uh, but just bear with me, okay? I apologize, I put the wrong ones up there. But it says this from the ESV, I am the vine and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. So just jumping right in here, I want to remind you last week, uh, Jesus was using this term to define himself uh, previously. Last week he said, I am the true vine. This week he is saying, I am the vine. But to remind you that this isn't the first time that this language is used in the Bible, right? We look back at the Psalms where the nation of Israel was seen as this vine that was transplanted from Egypt, right? God's vine that's going to be planted in his promised land. This vine that we talked about in Psalm was growing out and its branches were spreading out. We talked about how Jesus is the true vine, right? How he is the culmination of what God wanted Israel to be. He is the vine. He once again defines himself as the, the, as the vine. He continues to say, if you abide, I will abide in you. If you abide in me, I will always be with you. And that's great and it's really encouraging, but we read this and there's a little bit of a hard part within this passage, for me at least. Because at the outset you look at this and he says, ah, if you abide in me, I will abide in you. But we get to this part right here. If you abide in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Okay. It seems that Jesus is making a distinction here. He makes a lot of distinctions. He's making one here as well. Let's continue. If you abide in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. That sounds terrifying. I don't want to be on that side of the abiding spectrum. Right? If you do not abide in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. The imagery is so stark and real. Such branches are picked up and thrown away and burned. Again, the, the pragmatic thinker of, in, in, in me is saying, is that me? Am I accidentally not abiding in Jesus? Am I accidentally not remaining in Jesus? Have I already been picked up and thrown into the fire and cast off from him? I don't know. But then Jesus comes back 
at the latter part of this section we're reading today. If you abide, again, guys, I'm sorry, I'm so used to using the NIV that I accidentally use these, these, these slides, so just bear with me. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. Again, Jesus is making a very clear distinction between two very different groups in my mind, okay? The one that does not abide and the one that is abiding. This morning, I want to refer to these two different groups like this. The nothing zone and the bearing fruit zone, okay? That's how my brain thinks. There's a nothing zone and a bearing fruit zone. I hope this makes a little bit of sense to you because I really think this is how Jesus is kind of presenting the word. Right? He's talking about two different groups of people. Where am I in this zone behavior? Right? What is the nothing zone behavior? What is this nothing zone that Jesus is presenting to us this morning? Well, the nothing zone is nothing. That's it. Not very complex, but there's more to it. But the thing is, is that uh, this nothing zone is leading to something very, very detrimental, right? He talks about being cast off and burned. The, the withering plant will be taken care of. It is useless, right? The nothing zone inhabits all of this. And, I, and you start to think, okay, what does the nothing zone look like in our world today? And this would be a great opportunity in, for to start teeing off on like celebrities and athletes. We can say, oh, their lives, they mean nothing because they're chasing after the next contract. They're chasing after this top dollar, this top listing to get extra money to do all these things to buy and have all these, these items in their lives. And they look around one day and all of a sudden, guess what? All this something is really nothing. And everybody in the church could say amen. And we could be nodding our heads and say, we don't, we're not like those people because they live in the nothing zone and they accumulate all these things that mean absolutely nothing. But guess what? It's not just them. A lot of us fall in the nothing zone very often. It's not just the celebrities who are buying this Ferrari or Maserati or whatever kind of car you want. I know nothing about cars. It's not just those things that ultimately mean nothing, but even the people four walls, we gather together every Sunday morning, even the people in this room, sometimes we vacillate between this nothing zone. Think of Jesus for a moment in the hard conversation he had, not only with Pharisees, but also with his apostles, his disciples. Look at these conversations. This is with the this is right in the middle. If you look at Matthew 23, there's a whole lot of red letters. This is right in the middle of Jesus tearing apart the Pharisees. This is one of my favorite lines he says. Matthew 23, he says this. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You are like whitewashed tombs, which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of bones of the dead and everything unclean. In the same way, on the outside, you appear to be people as, righteous, people as righteous, but on the inside, you are full of hypocrisy and wickedness. What is he saying to the Pharisees? You are not how you act like you are, right? Your heart is different from what you present to the world. There is a nothing they're putting out into the world when they want everything to think, everyone to think they're putting out something into the world, Right? Their acts of righteousness are actually acts of nothingness. They live in this nothing zone like it's their job, right? You whitewashed tomb. On the outside, you are vibrant and clean. 
inside, you are dead and full of bones. You are living in the nothing zone. But like I said, it's not just his opponents that Jesus speaks this way to. He says these things to his very own disciples. In 8, 21, within the context, let's just, I'm just going to flip there really quick. I just have this short verse up there. But within the context, this is right around the time where Jesus feeds the 4,000. Right? You remember the story from Bible class? Right? Where all these people come to hear Jesus talk and they don't have enough food. And so Jesus says, take what you got and I'm going to multiply it. Right? And at the end, guess what happens? There's more food and they have to pick up more stuff. And so Jesus is talking to his disciples after this event. I'm going to pick up here in verse 17. Excuse me, verse 14 of Mark 8. The disciples had forgotten to bring bread, except for one loaf they had with them in the boat. Be careful, Jesus warned them. Watch out for the yeast of the Pharisees and that of Herod. They discussed this with one another and said, Is this because we have no bread? Aware of their discussion, Jesus asked them, Why are you talking of having no bread? Do you still not understand? Are your hearts not hardened? Are your hearts hardened? Do you have eyes but fail to see, ears but fail to hear, and do you not remember? When I broke the five loaves for the 5,000, how many baskets of pieces pieces did you pick up? Twelve, they replied. And then when I broke the seven loaves for the 4,000, how many baskets of pieces did you pick up? They answered seven. Verse 21, he said to them, do you still not understand? Right, Jesus has shown time and time again that as long as you're with me, you're not going to have to worry about going and getting food. I have you taken care of. But yet the disciples, they are connected to Jesus in a very intimate way, yet he still has to say this stuff to them. Do you still not understand? Unfortunately, the disciples themselves are living in this nothing zone. They're not realizing or having access to the power of God that surrounds them, right? We talk about the Pharisees as these people, these hypocrites, and it's easy to throw stones because they're easy targets. But the disciples themselves, even though they were so closely connected to Jesus, still did not realize just how much power Jesus and God had in their lives. That disconnection, that separation is what we're talking about this morning within the nothing zone when you do not realize the power of God acting presently in your life. The nothing zone can be a scary thing. Because both of these groups, the Pharisees and the disciples, are not acknowledging the connection to the vine. They're not acknowledging the power that God has in this world and in their lives. The nothing zone is a scary place. But what about this other zone? The bearing fruit zone. That sounds like a zone I'd rather live in, right? Do you agree with me? I can't hear over these fans so you guys must be very quiet. I also apologize. Another thing, microphones tend to not work. Air conditioning stops working. We're okay though, right? Okay, thank you to Chip and Johnny for getting us a little bit of a breeze in here. I appreciate you guys. But the bearing fruit zone sounds like a better place to inhabit. And I can think of no better place than to go to the words of Paul here in Galatians 5, 22 through 23, what is this bearing fruit zone? It looks a lot like this. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. And the people in the church are nodding their heads saying, yes, 
this is the kind of fruit that I like to be a part of. This is the kind of thing I want to talk about. I don't want to talk about the Can we please talk more about this? Because this seems so simple, right? This seems so simple. But the question is, uh, how do I know that I'm connected to the, this vine that Jesus is talking about in John 15? How do I know that I'm abiding in him? When you see these fruits grow in your life, that's how you know, right? When you see these fruits grow in your life, that's how you know you're connected to Jesus. Okay, but this kind of further confuses me. We just talked about the Pharisees and the disciples. The disciples are connected to Jesus. Shouldn't they be growing in these fruits? The answer is yes. Shouldn't the Pharisees be growing in these fruits because they're around Jesus? Well, some of them did, right? We talked about Nicodemus. We're talking about Paul himself, right? They're not totally gone forever. These people who are connected to Jesus, they grow. But my question is, and maybe you're feeling the same question, is when I read these words in John 15, there seems to be this permanent feeling, right? Usually when you burn things, they don't come back together. And so in the back of my head, I'm reading John 15, I'm saying, am I already withered and burned and, t- and forgotten about? Because these zones that Jimmy is talking about, it seems like you can go between them. And my encouragement to you this morning is if you're asking the question, have I withered and died yet? You haven't withered and died yet. Okay? If you're asking that question, you might be vacillating between these two different zones. You might be growing in some fruits and not so much in others. You might be in this nothing zone, but if you're asking the question, am I withered and dead? You're not withered and dead. Your heart is still inclined. Your heart is still open and and soft to have Jesus come into your life and change things, to have these fruits grow more in your life. The reality is, is it's hard to stay in this fruit-bearing zone, right? If you've been a Christian for a long time, you can probably attest to this. It is hard to always show love to people outside of the church and maybe sometimes even more so inside the church. The more that you become a Christian, maybe you become a little bit more patient, but sometimes that kindness thing, you, you can read through this and check yourself, right? Sometimes as you grow older, these things get tougher, but a lot of times they grow more and more in your life. The more you mature, the more you realize that the fruit is growing in your life. And even though you might be vacillating between this nothing zone and this bearing fruit zone, you're spending a whole lot more time bearing fruit than doing nothing, right? It does get better with time. It does get better as you mature. But I say all these things, I'm kind of dancing around all these things, but I'm really encouraged by these words of Jesus. It's kind of this rhythm that you go back to in John chapter 15. Through all these scary texts where it's like this withering and dying and burning and all these things are happening, this is the main constant throughout it all. Abide in me and I in you. Can we read that together out loud? One, two, three. Abide in me and I in you. Even when I'm so frustrated with myself for maybe a lack of faith, for maybe a lack of peace, for a lack of all these fruits, I go back to John 15 and there's this rhythm that comes back in my heart. Jimmy, you're not withered and dead just yet. You might be in this zone where you feel this disconnection, where you feel frustrated or whatever it might be, but you're not dead because this is truth. And these fruits are continuing to grow in your life even if you don't realize it because this is true and we rely on this truth. 
Abide in me and I in you. And the question I have is, so what? That's what we should always be asking, is so what? How can we live in the bearing fruit zone more in our lives? This is kind of the question I want to lead us to this morning. Because like I said, lives are complicated, and you're going to go through different periods of life, but I want us to lean more to this bearing fruit zone, right, in our lives more if we possibly can. How can we do it more? The very first thing is I think we need to finish reading Galatians chapter 5. So if you have your Bibles, have it open there. If you have a pen, maybe even, you might have the fruits of the Spirit underlined. I hope you do, because that's a good thing to have underlined in your Bible. But sometimes we, we look at the fruits of the Spirit and we stop reading. It's really important to keep reading. This is what it says. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. That first part is very significant. Because sometimes, if you grew up in the church, you sing the Fruits of the Spirit song, right? Love, joy, peace, patience, God, and goodness, man. You know, I'm not a singer. And we stop there, and we don't realize this next part is extremely important for those fruits to continue to grow in our lives. For those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh. It doesn't say those who belong to Christ Jesus have kind of passively started coming to church on Sundays and seeing what happens. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have volunteered a few times and signed their name and prayed a prayer and taken communion. No. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh. One of my teachers, my favorite teacher of all time at Harvard University, Dr. Kevin Youngblood, he talked about this and it changed my perspective on how my faith kind of looks in my life drastically. Because we talk about these fruits growing, but in order for those fruits to grow, we must crucify the flesh. That's very strong language. And he makes this point where he talks about the crucifixion as a very, very slow death. Not to get too graphic this morning, but we realize that when Jesus was on the cross, it wasn't immediately a, a, a death for a sentence for Jesus, right? The cross is really a suffocation more than anything. Slowly and slowly, the person who is crucified, they're unable to support themselves to the point where their lungs can no longer bring in oxygen to the rest of their body. And slowly their body begins to break down. Not only is there unbearable pain, but you stop breathing, And unfortunately, when it comes to our flesh, we're doing the same thing. Slowly but surely, your old self is going to lose oxygen. And I pray that is faster than slower because sometimes the flesh can hang on for dear life. And I guarantee you the flesh is still hanging on for dear life in me and I'm sure for you as well. Because the flesh doesn't want to be crucified. But for those who belong to Christ Jesus... We have to crucify the flesh. And I want to encourage you this morning not to be so graphic and not to say, oh, it's a difficult thing, but to encourage you to say, this is hard. It is hard to bear fruit. It is hard to totally and fully be in that bearing fruit zone that we're talking about this morning. But it takes time. And Paul, I love the words that he uses here. Not only the crucifixion of the flesh, but to keep in step with the Spirit. It implies a journey 
where you're walking in step. Not a journey where you teleport to the end of the finish line and say, I have arrived, Jesus. But it's a process in which we are growing. It's a process in which we are daily crucifying our flesh to look more and more like Jesus and to look less and less like the flesh. So please continue reading Galatians 5 and don't just stop at the fruit of the Spirit. The second thing is marginal gains matter. I'm not just talking about the gym, guys. I'm not just talking about bulking up and getting strong like me. No, I'm just kidding. You don't want to be strong like me. But I'm talking about our spiritual gains, the marginal gains of the spirit. I read this book recently uh, called Atomic Habits. Very, very popular book. I highly recommend it. It's not a Christian book, but you can, have defi- you can kind of import you know, your ideas of building spiritual habits on- onto this book as well. But there's a chapter where he talks about the British cycling team. And I know everyone in here is a huge cycling fan. So uh, I don't have to, no, I'm just kidding. Um, But the British cycling team was very bad for a very long time. Awful, like a laughable program. And they brought in this new guy who said, you know what, we're going to make 1% changes every single day. And it sounds silly, but they started out with 1% changes, literally. They started to paint the inside of the um, place where they stored their bikes to white so they could better see the dust that would accumulate on the bikes. They, they changed the, the coating of their, uh, their, their kits or their jerseys to be indoor clothes rather than outdoor clothes because they were like a fraction of a decimal lighter, right? And that could go on and on, but 1% better every single day at these little things accumulated to where now the British cycling team is a powerhouse. They have a lot of Tour de France victories. They medal all the time in the Olympics. And they all point back to this guy who said 1% change every day makes a lasting impression. And I look at this example and I say, how can I take this and look at the marginal gains within my spiritual life? I can say, obviously, when I was baptized at 16, I'm very different. Am I very different from a year ago? It's hard to tell. But I guarantee you I am, and I guarantee you are as well. But sometimes we get so caught up in these sins or these things that we get caught up in so often that that have been stumbling blocks for a long time. We say, I'm never going to overcome that. But what you you don't realize is the things that you've already overcome. Marginal gains do matter when it comes to bearing fruit for Jesus. And the last thing is, and this is kind of just, it sounds so churchy and simple, but it's so, so important. When in doubt, defer to God. When in doubt, defer to God. That's what Paul does all the time, (laughs) right? He is often, he he gets in these situations where it's so frustrating. He wants to leave places. People are on his nerves, chasing him out of town. But he's always like, you know what? If I die today, so be it. If I do something good today, so be it. God's got this and I'm here for the ride. And I think we can get wrapped up in our own accomplishments, wrapped up in our own shortcomings and not realize that God is with us and not realize the truth that if I abide in Jesus, he is abiding in me. It's not like Jesus is going anywhere. We're the ones that are going anywhere, right? So my encouragement to you is that when in doubt, just defer and say, even if you don't believe it in your head, sometimes if you say it with your mouth, it starts to change things up here. God has got this and I'm with him. Let's pray.
God, this morning, uh, this is a difficult passage because it's so stark, the differences between bearing fruit and nothing. This whole idea of withering and being cast into a fire is something that is, is scary imagery. But God, I pray that if we're asking the question, is that me? I pray that we realize that, no, our hearts are still open to the Spirit. Help us to be molded by that truth. Help us ultimately be, be, be molded by this truth that you are abiding in us and all we have to do is abide in you. God, help us to lean towards this fruit zone where we can bear more fruit for you, where we can incline our hearts to have the posture of Christ to say, God, what can I do today to bear more fruit for you? God, help us to recognize the marginal gains that we have in our spiritual life. Help us to connect to those and really ultimately glorify you and defer to you. Help us to recognize that we might be in this nothing zone, but the reality is that you are always pulling us back saying, I am here I am with you. Help us to realize that truth. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you have any needs at all, we, we invite you to come forward. If you're wondering and feeling like you've been in this nothing zone for a long time, my prayer is that you talk to somebody today. I say that every week. But if you want to come forward and share that with somebody, we're more than willing to accept that request. If you're hurting, if, if, you're, if you're wanting to praise God, we want to invite that too. Whatever your needs might be, won't you come while we stand and sing?